Hello and welcome to the 2019 F1 Strategy Report, powered by Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator. My name's Michael Laminato and this is Round 11, the German Grand Prix. The German Grand Prix weekend started in sweltering heat with Ferrari holding the upper hand, but it ended in cold rain with Max Verstappen on the top step of the podium. The season's first proper wet race delivered a thriller replete with tactical errors and strategic genius, excellent driving and some embarrassing crashes. And as a result, this podcast is a little longer than usual, but I'm sure you'll understand that we've got plenty to talk about. And to help me try to dissect what was a very exciting, but let's be honest, very confusing German Grand Prix, I'm joined by ESPN F1 editor Lawrence Edmondson. Lawrence, how are you doing? Not bad. Um, I've actually come here because I'm so confused. I'm basically hoping you're <laughs> going to explain to me what happened over the course of the German Grand Prix. Well, um, I'll do my best, but to be honest, it's very difficult. I can't actually remember the last time I sat through a race, got to the end of it, and couldn't figure out how the results happened. But uh, I, that's what happens with this kind of strange wet weather we have. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great thing, actually. It's, it's really exciting to watch, like thrilling. Anything can happen at any moment. But if you're a journalist and you're trying to write reports at the end of it, you get you get to about lap 50 of 60 whatever, and you're like, oh, God, this is going to be a nightmare. This is going to be horrible. But um, yeah. we, we, I guess we kind of got there. Hopefully most of the reports were intact. So. But anyway, my, my advice is don't read the reports. Go and watch the race. Find yes. a recording. Go and watch it because it was great entertainment. It really was. For once, uh, you don't need the summary or the highlights package. Just sit through it uh, and figure out what happened. We had, I think, four safety cars, a couple of virtual safety cars thrown in the mix. Uh, almost had only just enough finishes to score points. In fact, we had a couple of penalties after the race so that everyone had a turn in the points, I think, yes. even though not everyone finished there. Uh, and really, I mean, even from the beginning of this weekend, before we had the unpredictability of the wet weather, there was not really even a comprehensive or cohesive build-up considering we went from... 42 degrees on Friday to rain and quite cold I think the best way to sum it up was that there's a shuttle that runs from the car park to the track on the first day obviously the aircon was very high by the time I left on Sunday night the heater was on yeah no, I mean that's right and it was horribly hot like really mm. disgustingly hot uh, 39 degrees I think they said but you know all the car readouts were coming up with 42 and 43 and all that kind of stuff and um, weirdly Germany is not a place where they really believe in air conditioning <laughs> you're like, yes you get it in the shuttle bus because it's you know a car that has to be sold around the world but pretty much everywhere else they do it really badly and Germany does a lot of things really well but air conditioning they do so these first two days well Thursday which is the media day Friday which was practice day were just horrible like yeah. <laughs> I think everyone really just had a bad time uh, and then um, yeah and, and then uh, Saturday rolled around and we think we had a thunderstorm overnight and the heat was just replaced by humidity you know, like really yeah. again disgusting humidity <laughs> and it was only by Sunday that we all kind of felt like normal human beings which was fortunate mm. because it was um, yeah worth paying attention to the race Obviously more so than usual given we got a wet race with only so much dry running, but Friday's practice times, practice running, which we normally put at least some faith in on an ordinary weekend and try to dissect the long run pace and predict what's going to happen in the race, was only of extremely limited use given those conditions were not replicated on Saturday or on Sunday. But what we did see, I guess, was that Ferrari seemed quite quick here and Mercedes was a little bit on the back foot, which even they didn't seem to expect. Yeah, I think it was um, it was basically an extreme weather test session, wasn't it? It mm. was like, uh, let's push the cooling to the absolute limit, which is exactly what Mercedes probably wanted. And they came with the rear of the car all opened up. Um, if you kind of look at the back where the exhaust is, there's usually two little bits where the bodywork kind of opens up a little bit. And they were significantly bigger. Um, funnily enough, they actually struggled with it. They, they, they kind of got over the problems they had in Austria, which was mm -hmm. not being able to run in certain and engine mode stuff like that they got their head around that but 
the car wasn't where they wanted it to be. Uh, meanwhile, Ferrari looked very good, but we were like, well, is this just because Ferrari designed a car for 40 degree heat? And, and the evidence of the rest of the season suggests it's not that quick when it's cooler. Uh, but um, no, funny enough, even on uh, Saturday morning in the final practice session, Ferrari um, looked quite good and actually had gained a bit of an advantage mm-hmm. uh, in the final sector, which is the sector where we all thought they were going to be rubbish. And all of a sudden they were actually faster than Mercedes hadn't previously been slower than them on Friday. So actually, as, as the weather cooled down, we realised, well, Ferrari have a very very quick race car that should have been on pole position <laughs> I, won't, I won't jump ahead too far should have been on pole position and really probably should have won the race the track conditions here in many respects kind of suited the car though didn't it because the first two sectors are largely flat out then we did have the third sector as you said where we expected mercedes to be the quicker car because it is mostly corners it's a question i know was asked quite emphatically at the end of the race whether the championship had blown open i think that's a great exaggeration but does this show that ferrari's perhaps starting to turn a little bit of a corner on this car that seems so peaky only on certain circuits yeah it does seem that way um i think mercedes didn't fully understand you know if you look at oh, we always think the things to do on friday practice and uh in kind of practice sessions in general is look at where the anomalies are and if you have a real anomaly and and, and in this case it was mercedes they weren't as far ahead as, as they should be the ferrari hadn't really gained a huge amount over red bull hadn't really gained a huge amount over the midfield it was just that mercedes had dropped back so i don't i don't believe it was a turning point i think it was quite track specific mm-hmm. and uh weather specific on the on the friday um but it's certainly going in the right direction for ferrari which is which is good to see you know we don't have that same problem that the two drivers had where they literally can't turn the car in because mm-hmm. the front tyres aren't working and the fact it was quick in that final sector bodes well for I think the development direction they started however many races ago like three or four races ago mm-hmm. I think it was in France wasn't it and uh, that's when they decided this is the way we're going to go and let's see how the development comes on from there it seems that direction they took then is actually bearing some fruit but no, championship as far as I'm concerned still over still over <laughs> still there's, there's your championship update for, <laughs> for this week still we'll do over. one every week yeah. and I think you'll find the result is the same uh, they topped all three practice sessions I think Leclerc got two and, and Vettel got one I think it was three practice three and uh, looking very good for qualifying right up until qualifying started and then they were looking very bad for qualifying uh, two completely different power unit problems one eliminated Vettel from the very beginning Leclerc got to Q3 and then was eliminated I mean this was very classic for us yeah, uh, I, I mean, and, and that was a big talking point on Saturday going into the race. It's so funny when you kind of then look at it on Sunday night, but on Saturday it was just Ferrari of how have they done this? How have they messed this up again? They have so many opportunities, so you know, throughout the year to to kind of at least get on level terms with uh, Mercedes at certain tracks, and every time they seem to make a mistake. And two reliability issues in, an, it's only an hour qualifying. <laughs> it's not even a race. It's not even like a two-hour race. Just within an hour. <laughs> <laughs> two reliable, two different reliability issues, uh, and I think Bonotto said on uh, Sunday night that they were both first timers as well. So like things mm. that hadn't really cropped up before. Um, so yeah, g- kind of bad luck, but also just goes to show that the team isn't isn't there in terms of mm-hmm. you know uh, being in a position where it can really challenge Mercedes week in week out. Now, strangely enough, there was an interesting parallel that almost completely came to fruition here as we do turn our attention to the race. In some respects, it was even better than last year, which is the parallel I want to draw, where Lewis Hamilton recovered from 14th to win the Grand Prix, albeit with some circumstances. But hey, all wet races have circumstances. Vettel uh, started last because he didn't even set a time in qualifying. 
almost won the race himself, which would have been, I would have said, the better recovery. He finished second, though. Uh, and I can mention this off the top because while we're going to go through the, the strategy of this race, his strategy, despite having such a big pull up the order, was actually fairly standard. There's not so much we can pull out as being particularly good, but it did show, because especially when we got that dry running towards the end of the race, as we'll find out, that that car was still quick. Throughout the whole weekend, that car was quick and was able to maximise that pace eventually. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Um you remember this first time any of the drivers had driven this year's car in mm-hmm. the wet, pretty much. And there's maybe like the odd tiny bit of a session where somebody went out on inters, burnt yeah. them up, and then that was <laughs> it. But like realistically, this was the first time the cars had been driven in anger in the wet. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a real vengeance unknown. But yeah, the Ferrari was, it was definitely quick. And, um, you know, there's an expectation, I think, in, in Formula One nowadays that if you're one of those top three cars, mm-hmm. and uh, if you're in one of those top three cars and you start at the back, you probably should end up in the top six. Mm-hmm. And then if you look, well, both Mercedes screwed themselves over, you know, <laughs> Leclerc put it in the wall, and then, well, Gasly was Gasly. Mm-hmm. Then, okay, maybe finishing second isn't such a remarkable <laughs> thing. But um, still, I think it, it did go to show, especially that pace at the end, that that, that Ferrari was quick, and that uh, had Vettel not had that qualifying issue, mm-hmm. had he started higher up, even in the wet, then, yeah, that was a car that could have won the race, no doubt about it. Now, before we get into the race itself, important, as you raised, that this was the first real wet session of the entire season. And I suppose more to the point, given the Pirelli's tyres, intermediate and wet, are essentially new this year, uh, there was very little experience on these tyres as well. And you might have seen, for anyone watching the race, uh, several installational reconnaissance laps at the start, just for drivers to figure out what it was going to be like. Uh, worth noting here as well, and we'll talk about Alex Albon sort of a little bit later on, but first wet Formula 1 session with no prior knowledge of how the car or the tyres would behave this was really a step into the unknown more so than a wet race that is a little bit unpredictable yeah exactly and wasn't it wonderful as well? yeah. this, is, this is the thing that um, I think somebody put it on Twitter last night saying that um, when the teams have no idea what's going on and no mm. data isn't Formula 1 a wonderful thing um, and uh, it was but yeah a huge respect for Albon because I think um, I remember in uh, pre-season testing in the dry, he kind of binned it fairly on early on in yeah. his F1 career, <laughs> and you know, and that and that is the reality of jumping an F1 car. It's not a simple business. You know, you're going to have you're going to make very silly mistakes uh, in your rookie year occasionally, just because there's a lot going on and there's a lot to understand. So to jump in in a race environment and do that well was um, was very impressive, especially early in the race. He was running particularly well. Mm-hmm. Now, wet races more generally, as we try to dissect the strategy that brought us to the conclusion that we got is completely different to strategy we expect in a dry race. Dry race is based so much on data, the stuff that people love and hate in equal measure in Formula 1, whereas a wet race like this, and a wet race that then becomes dry and then wet again and then dry towards the end, is almost completely about instinct combined a little bit with looking at a radar that not everyone believes is accurate and sometimes is not. And it's very much about, I suppose, trust between driver and team, isn't it? That both sides are going to make the right call. We'll get to a couple of examples in a moment, but it's it's almost not really recognisable for a Formula 1 Grand Prix in that respect. Yeah, and I think the other factor is luck. There's a massive (laughs) amount of luck that goes on. Um, But yeah, let's be honest, these guys operate on a very high level, but you you see a team like Mercedes, and we'll go into this in detail, but Mm -hmm. uh, how spectacularly wrong it can can just go um, Mm -hmm. on the basis of a few laps. Um, But there's always those opportunities there, and and it's a a lot of kind of holding your hand out um, from the pit wall and kind of gauging the weather, and I think a lot of experience comes into play there. Uh, But the one thing I thought was interesting about this race is that one of the best things to do was every opportunity you have, 
put some new tyres on the car. <laughs> like, even if you're going to lose like 10 seconds, put some new yeah. tyres on the car. You know, um, so every time the VSC or a safety car comes up, which was a lot, as mm-hmm. we talked about earlier, um, then you have this instant decision on the pit wall. Where's it going to put us? Do we mm-hmm. do it? Is it worth the gamble? And uh, that's fascinating to watch. It's, it's yeah. so random. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is an element of skill and an element of um, uh, kind of uh, technical now, sir. And also, uh, yeah, the, the, the driver feeling. If you know, if, if the driver isn't happy in the car, then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you can lose, you know, seconds per lap, and uh, and that can be a disaster. Gambling is also a big part of it. Before we get to sort of the middle part of the race where everything started to unravel, because the first half actually, after the chaos of the first lap, I suppose, was a little bit of a, a game of waiting. It's worth pointing out, and we'll only probably mention Kevin Magnussen once in, the, in this podcast, but he was an example of a midfield team because it tends to be them, particularly early in these kinds of races, gambling. When everyone came in on around lap three to switch off the full wet tyre they started the race on for intermediates, he decided he was going to stay out in, in the hope, I suppose, because the radar was clearly unclear clearly unclear imagine saying that in a podcast (laughs) Uh, that the rain might intensify and that might be a big win for him ultimately it didn't happen but these are the kind of decisions that potentially can pay off quite substantially yeah um, I think that was a funny one because it was quite early in the race (laughs) maybe a little bit optimistic that that the one decision to stay out on wets would would make a difference but um, but no I mean it was um, it was like the spiker in 2008 Nerva Ring, <laughs> Winklehog, I think, coming in, you know, leading uh, the race. Yes, yes. Um, and, uh, you know, th- th- those kind of things uh, do happen and you do kind of get it. But, yeah, unless you're doing that right at the end of the race, it tends to be like a glory moment of, oh, the Haas is second. <laughs> and then um, quite soon it becomes clear that, oh, no, the Haas, the Haas needs to the change Haas, it into yeah. immediately. Otherwise, <laughs> there's going to be no rubber left on, on those poor wet tyres. So, um, so, yeah, it, 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 it works both ways. But, um throughout the race there were, there were little things like that and I think if you're in a Haas or something like that which you know clearly wasn't very quick even at the end they made some pretty good strategy decisions but mm-hmm. still ended up quite a long way back um, then because uh, Manson right, okay, I'm going to skip ahead sorry yeah, Michael, no, no, it's ruin your run plan. we have no idea but, how to um, really address this but we, we didn't talk about this before but Magnussen I think I'm right in saying actually pitted on the same lap as Kvyat at mm-hmm. the end to go to softs and we saw Kvyat you know, finish on the podium, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Magnussen uh, kind of followed him up, but then followed him down again because obviously that car wasn't working and he couldn't get yeah. the temperature in the tyres. So these kind of decisions um, uh, can be uh, can get you on the podium in a midfield car, mm-hmm. but uh, if it's not all quite working, uh, you know, they can also bite you. But the, the thing is, because you know there's a safety car at some point, even if you mm-hmm. drop like <laughs> 60 seconds back off, you're probably going to get back, you know, as long as you don't lose a lap too much, you know, mm-hmm. um, then, uh, then you're probably going to get back up and have another go at it anyway. Inversely, Magnussen's very late stop at the start shows what tends to more often than not be true in wet races in that it's those who gamble early on early changes tend to be the ones that pay off, whether we talk about preempting rain or preempting a track being dry enough to switch to slicks. And that's what this first half of the race really was about. It was about at first trying to make the inters last until it was either very much dry enough for slicks or the rain came back. And we saw, as you said, pitting behind virtual safety cars or safety cars was the only way drivers are really stopping here. Leclerc and Hulkenberg in particular. And this is where the race started to unfold. Took the opportunity behind a virtual safety car triggered by um, Daniel Ricciardo. Stopped Renault, ironically enough for Hulkenberg, to switch to new intermediate tyres. And that essentially was a free stop and gave them that extra bit of flexibility. Because there's so much waiting in a wet race, isn't it, to see what's going to happen. Yeah, and tyre management, I mean, we talk about it in the drive, but it's essential on intermediate tyres on a dry mm. track because you get that dry line 
and uh, the rubber on the inserts is in really soft you know I think it's softer than the soft you know yeah. it's, it's, it's really soft because it's designed to retain heat in wet conditions and continue to offer grip and bite into the surface through the rainwater and stuff like that so all of a sudden when you're running it on a dry line it just flies off and melts and disappears so uh, even in those conditions uh, going off cooling your tyres on, on the wet you know mm-hmm. you see that a lot on the straights drivers will move way off the racing line trying to find a damp patch to cool the tyres um, uh, that's essential to keep them going or, or you do the other thing, which is, you know, you, you take the gamble and you move to slicks. Funny enough, I was talking about Manx and this all around again, because he was the first one to go to slicks. He was the first one to do uh, it. Yes. Um, and uh, it didn't really work. I think he all of a sudden started second, setting personal best middle mm-hmm. sectors. So obviously it, they were close to the crossover, mm-hmm. but his uh, times in sectors one and three were so far off that... Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't it, it wasn't going to make a difference. But but he triggered it. You know, he was the one that first went. And again, like you say, if you can be that first one, sometimes it can make a massive difference and, and get you a number of positions at once. Ironically enough, in this middle window where the track had been drying for a while, the rain had sort of abated. This is where the race went wrong for those, or not for everyone who switched to slicks, but for some of those who switched to slicks, because in reality, there were sectors of the track that were not dry enough. It didn't dry in a uniform way, maybe because it was still raining in certain parts of the track. And then the rain did ultimately come back. I want to start with Charles Leclerc first. We've already started to mention him. Was in quite a good position at this point. He did start 10th, but made pretty good progress up the order from there. Got a free stop for those new intermediates behind the virtual safety car, as we said. And then jumped because of this, Valtteri Bottas up to, to second, and Max Verstappen as well, he was in third at the time, devoted to fourth. Potentially, he was looking good for a win here because he had fresher tyres than Lewis Hamilton. The pit stops and the order of all that kind of things were eventually going to give him an opportunity to move up. And then the race started going very wrong for him. Uh, I don't think he used his catchphrase "I am stupid," but he he did sort of look a little bit like that as he beached himself in the gravel. I, I think it was no, <laughs> no. Where to which a lot of German media in the press room went yes, um, and we all erupted into laughter at a very serious point for Ferrari. Um, but what incredible, huh? Ferrari finally strategy starts going well, you know, yeah. and this star driver that they've let down again and again and again through the season is the one who messes up. He's mm-hmm. the one that puts it in the wall and it's funny because earlier in the race uh, I seem to remember him holding this ridiculous sideways slide across the um, yes, across the little lump right. that distinguishes the track and that horribly greasy kind mm-hmm. of um, uh, drag strip and he did this crazy slide like you know like almost like grinding down this, <laughs> this uh, sausage curve and all this kind of thing wow that's pretty impressive but um, but funny to see that you know beyond that was complete disaster and we Mm. saw it again and again during the race and uh yeah and he complained that the runoff Mm. was too stiff (laughs) forget it you know that's (laughs) if you're off the track you know that's a problem and uh uh it's a funny one isn't it because i wonder how many drivers were warned of how perilous that corner could be if you went over the limit Mm. uh but anyway for him him it was and and but but go back to the strategy side of it that was down to the risk of going on slicks Mm -hmm while it was still uh, fairly damp and uh, while he went on to softs and struggled Verstappen and Bottas (laughs) the nutters were mediums (laughs) this this surprised everybody and I'm not sure what your reading was at the time but I assumed that at this point the radar must be showing and we'd sort of been told early in the race the rain was for 30 to 60 minutes and so we were more than 30 minutes into the race at this point that perhaps the rain was gone and this was an incredibly bold attempt from Red Bull and Mercedes who followed to try and make it to the end of the Grand Prix without making another tyre stop 
very ambitious in retrospect, obviously. Yeah, it is. And it also shows you probably that Red Bull, uh, that's, I mean, now we look back at it, well, Verstappen won and it almost seemed quite straightforward towards mm-hmm. the end. But at that point, they were taking huge risks. Yeah. Like, you know, they, they obviously didn't think they were going to win it because they had, you know, the Mercedes um, ahead of them on track and they had Leclerc on this, like, great strategy mm-hmm. kind of coming through. So um, clearly they were they were looking to try something a bit different. Um, I I don't know what they were... I mean, it's around that time, and um, we were talking about it earlier, where um, where Verstappen came on the radio and said, what's the radar saying? And then Red Bull replied, we can't trust it, which, which maybe explains why they did go for mediums. Yeah. They, they're just like, this radar's nonsense. It's telling us it's going to start raining again in five minutes. No, let's completely ignore that and go on mediums to the end of the race. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it was a very strange decision, but, of course, um, yeah, it's going to the details of why that's an issue. Uh, the warm-up on those tyres is mm. even harder than it is on the softs. Uh, it takes even longer to get them into um, into the working range. And as soon as the tyres aren't in the working range, you know, we hear drivers talk about it all the time when the conditions are fine and mm. how much time you can lose. You know, just go to any Haas press session and they'll bore you for <laughs> a good 20 minutes on, on, on the complexities of the tyres. Add a little bit of water in and it's a complete mm. disaster. So, um, yeah, crazy. And, of course, for Schaap and Spun. He went through 360 degrees. Two corners before death yeah. corner, as I think we're now calling it. <laughs> or maybe not death corner. Uh, yeah. Kind of crash out the race yeah. corner. Um, and, uh, yeah, so t- t- just two corners before that, he spun 360 degrees. And had that been anywhere else on the track, had he not had, obviously, a huge amount of car control that he does have, mm-hmm. I always like seeing Verstappen do a 360 spin <laughs> because chances are he's going to end up pointing the right yeah. way at the end of it and just carry on and be like, yeah, well, you know, I've kind of minced it. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, so he, he did that and carried on. But, yeah, that, that was so close to... And a realisation that... Even even the best wet weather drivers mm-hmm. in those conditions uh, can potentially throw it all away. With a, such a bold strategy as well, potentially could have undone his race. And this was because not only the tyre warm-up, but suddenly the rain was returning. And you talk about that interesting tension between, well, what Max asking what the radar says and, and the team inversely saying, don't forget the radar, tell me what you think. Mm. There's got to be trust between in that connection. And, and that really came to bear on Lewis Hamilton because just as Charles Leclerc I suppose was having his crash that started to change the complexion of the race Lewis Hamilton was feeling as though the rain was going to come back he was still on Inters at this point but Mercedes decided given the Inters were also quite old to bring him in on slicks because virtually everybody else was on slicks at this point in time he said he lamented afterwards uh, that he didn't speak up at this point because this is what really completely undid his race, moving to slicks. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember there were periods of the race before that he was leading by seven seconds. Mm-hmm. And it's like that meme I've seen on Twitter recently <laughs> of the safety car and it like, just comes and it's going to destroy your lead and eat your leader. Anyway, um, so, it, it, so he had been looking pre- pretty good out there. And then, yeah, he was out on inters, um, still lapping reasonably quickly. Mm-hmm. Tires weren't in awful shape. And uh, there was, uh, it was at the end of the VSC, I think, for Norris. Yes. Uh, I think I'm right in saying that. It was only the end of AVSC, un-VSC, AVSC. Yeah. Um, and um, <laughs> and uh, Hamilton came into the pits. So he missed out on the VSC kind of uh, element of getting a kind of slightly cheaper mm-hmm. in-time pit stop. Um, and, uh, and came in and put on, put on the slicks. And, yeah, it proved to be a bit of a disaster because that was just as the rain was coming. But I feel like that's it's almost like a... It's almost like a Mercedes thing where they try and be a little bit too clever. It's like, oh, there's VSC, we've got to make use of it, we've got to make use of it. And rather than being like instant, they kind of like do a little mm. bit too much background work. And then by the time they made the decision, it was too late. And then, of course, uh, yeah, further, further. Was it on his out lap that he, that he then... I think because he switched only one yeah. lap later. Yeah. If we have a look at our lap chart, yeah. uh, it was fairly quickly afterwards because the rain essentially started arriving on his out lap. It started, the conditions began deteriorating. 
And this was the first in, I suppose, a line of mistakes that Mercedes would make in this Grand Prix because whether, as you say, this was born of the fact that they overthought the, the strategy at this point in the race where a decision really had to be made or whether this was just the conditions deteriorating around them. Subsequently, this sort of pushed, I guess, the lag time for every decision further and further. The mistakes compounded on themselves. Uh, and, of course, the worst of them, I suppose, that really set them off was that Hamilton crashed on the next lap. And yeah. this is where things really started to go wrong. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Hamilton puts it in the wall and he does it. To be fair, he got it out as well. Yeah. I mean, not every driver managed to do that. Most drivers went in there, uh, didn't get it back out. But he got it out of that little gravel trap. But by that point, he was beyond the uh, bollard where you're meant to go to the right mm-hmm. to enter the pits, which means he got a five-second penalty later on, which then kind of influenced some decisions a little bit later on, which mm-hmm. we can talk about then. But yeah, and then obviously he came in and there was this pit stop where they weren't expecting a car to come into the pits. Mm-hmm. Um, they had some tyres out by the time he arrived. Mm-hmm. He also needed a new front wing. But you can imagine that situation. Uh, I don't think it was immediately on TV. Uh, so they probably heard, yeah. heard a roar from the crowd. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, something's happened. <laughs> and then um, next thing they know, uh, Lewis is on the radio saying, I've been in the wall. And uh, then next thing they know, the car's coming down the pit lane. And that's the first mm-hmm. they see, oh, God, you know, half the front wing's gone. And uh, obviously, we're going to change the tyres. So um, there'll be a kind of uh, motor operandi, which they have to go to, which will be, well, in that case, bring you know the tyres out mm-hmm. that he's on, bring them up because you know he's on those tyres for a reason. This isn't a planned stop. Mm-hmm. Just put some fresh ones on because that will help him. So uh, I think in the pit lane, they had some soft tyres ready to go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nose was a little bit slower coming. But then there was, uh, I think, what's become on social media, the Benny Hill moment, <laughs> where all of a sudden the mechanics start running around and, uh, you know, one guy in kind of 1950s garb like nearly <laughs> slips over and then uh, you know nearly headbutts another guy and then somebody picks up a tyre and it's the wrong one and it's probably one of Bottas's and then you know and they all kind of run around in circles for a little bit and um, I think I'm right in saying it was about 50 seconds 50.2 I think was the stationary time seconds. which is not quick <laughs> it's not quick at all um, and of course they had to change the front wing so there was an element of like all the faffing around with tyres wasn't actually mm-hmm. you know the crucial thing because it took them a while to get the wing off getting a damaged wing off is always difficult um, and uh, and then eventually they, they, they got the interest into, into the pit lane and better to make that decision yeah. imagine if they'd sent him back out <laughs> after all that sent him back out again on soft tyres and he'd gone and had another accident mm-hmm. so um, at least they got that bit right and in reality he only dropped to fifth I think because we're under Charles Leclerc's safety car exactly, conditions yeah, at yeah. this point yeah, so yeah, not so as costly as perhaps it looked yeah exactly so um definitely the point that the race unraveled for them but mm-hmm. it didn't put it beyond beyond their reach I think but um, yeah I, I guess the five second penalty was, was a big thing as well later in the race and anyway so uh, yeah and then he goes back out on, on inters and um, yeah it, 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 it was a tricky race from that on uh, that mm-hmm. point onwards but then uh, yeah then all of a sudden this is when you're like oh well actually Verstappen mm-hmm. all of a sudden becomes a clear favourite uh, because uh, all that messing around in the pit lane also meant that any hope of getting Bottas in and kind of putting him back onto Inters because he had gone onto the mediums as well mm-hmm. but being a Finnish rally driver dealt with it and didn't, didn't you know he was just enjoying drifting uh, around I mean I remember watching him coming into the pits to put back the Inters back yeah. on after the whole Hamilton debacle in the pit lane and uh, he kind of just came like sideways through and he just looked so comfortable I was like this guy honestly is wonderful um I then changed my opinion later yeah. in the race but, um, but at that point I thought wow what, what a hero um, so yeah he was just there rally driving around on medium tyres but couldn't come in because 
you know, the, the, the pit lane was blocked and I think the team had other things on their mind. Yeah, so that delayed his pit stop uh, until the following lap to go into Inters, which in turn affected his position. Mm. Uh, that was the first set of really substantial mistakes. But as you said, this is where Max Verstappen started to look like he could be in control of this race. The race eventually, eventually resumed uh, with intermediate running. Uh, and then we got to this strange part where, again, the rain began to abate a little bit. Uh, and we had this decision, much as we did in the first part of the race, as to whether... Do you go for a new set of intermediate tyres and we did get a safety car period that allowed for another change or when do you start thinking about slicks? Now Verstappen at this point, we talked about Red Bull Racing making quite substantial gambles with that medium tyre. Then I suppose maybe it's because you're in the lead of the race you start to actually think a little bit more sensibly uh, and on lap 41 we had another safety car. I think it was actually triggered on lap 39 but in any case. Uh, yeah, start of lap it was 40. Hulkenberg wasn't it? Yes. Hulkenberg in the barrier from quite a good position but yeah. um, a well, promising position. Perhaps we should detour here briefly okay that's it uh because he was uh, of course we know he holds the record for for most race starts without a podium yes. found himself in second after all the chaos of this safety car with lewis hamilton and max Versta- uh Valtteri bottas's poor stops uh of course the car didn't really have the pace to be there but he had some pace to fight uh drop positions fairly quickly and then the race really ended for him yeah and if you looking at uh his strategy he was on he was on like this is how you he was on the perfect strategy basically mm-hmm. up to that point because he got that um, pit stop in on uh, lap 15 which meant he was on uh, new inters uh, midway through the first kind of phase mm-hmm. of intermediates and, and that was then, a VSC stop as well that was a VSC stop so nice kind of you know uh, cheap pit stop for him there and then he never went on slicks so at no point in the race was Hulkenberg mm-hmm. on slick tyres which up to that point was um, absolutely the way to do it he picked on lap 29 uh, for a new set of uh, intermediates which was basically by the time everybody else had realised that the slicks were the wrong way and he just made up a lot, a lot of positions but he had he'd been running uh, I think as high as 5th at the start so, yep. so clearly he was in uh, we've seen he's very good in low grip conditions in the past mm-hmm. you know he's got things in his locker such as his Brazil 2010 lap yeah. uh, pole lap which, which we uh, refer to often yeah, we, yeah we I mean, often. <laughs> why, why does Hulkenberg still yeah. deserve to be in F1 well in 2010 yeah. he once put it on <laughs> um, anyway so he um, so he, he, he was there uh, in, a, in a very strong position on the right tyres at the time mm-hmm. and uh, he fell foul of uh, that penultimate corner as well and the, and the, very, um, the ice skate rink that they've yeah. uh, kind of now opened uh, by the drag strip and so um, yeah, and then put it in the barrier but yeah that, that opened up an opportunity and Red Bull nailed it because mm-hmm. to pit Verstappen there free pit stop and he's on inters and he was already the quickest man out there and now he looks even quicker um, that was really kind of Red Bull operating at their best mm-hmm. and kind of you know seizing every opportunity and as I said before like if in doubt and you've got the gap stick some new tyres on it because mm-hmm. it's only going to help you later on so with that in mind, a mistake then, would you say, that Mercedes didn't follow there because it was sort of not even damned if you, damned if you don't. Verstappen's gone in for new inters. Now, that's going to hinder you at the restart, I suppose, if you've got older intermediate tyres. Why not just come in and change? And whether or not you move immediately to slicks as most drivers did, it didn't make a difference. So I think uh, if they'd done it with Bottas, mm-hmm. he would have moved behind Hamilton, which obviously championship fight or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and even if you are on new inters what's better old Inters or similar age Inters ahead of Lewis Hamilton mm-hmm. or new Inters behind Lewis Hamilton I mean I'd rather be ahead mm-hmm. and, and try and defend especially because you don't know which way the race is going to go uh, you don't really want to see track position to Lewis Hamilton pretty much anybody else in a wet race <laughs> fine not Lewis Hamilton so I think that's why they didn't pit Bottas and then Lewis I felt mm. they should have they, they, they should have brought him in uh, he was uh, he was running behind Bottas uh, their 
thinking was that five second penalty mm-hmm. that we talked about earlier for going the wrong side of the bollard they said that that would have dropped him behind Albon now just as I was talking about one man not to be stuck behind Lewis Hamilton yeah. one man who you probably wouldn't mind too much <laughs> first race in wet conditions <laughs> against probably one of the best wet drivers mm-hmm. in the world Lewis Hamilton yeah I, I think they should have pitted him to put him on uh, on a fresh set of inters at that point and, uh, and sent him back out and, and seen what Lewis could do so I'm not really sure I think that was again one of those things where it's like uh, they were almost looking at a safety car and thinking oh can we get a free pit stop and it's like no it's not quite going to be a free pit stop it's like alright in that case yeah. we don't pit it's like well no you can't think about it the reality of it then actually that might have been good but the other thing about all these split second decisions is it all depends where the car is on track mm-hmm. and where the safety car's picked up whoever or at what point it will pick up whoever and uh, if you get that wrong you can also kind of mess it up so it's not always quite as straightforward as it looks uh, to give Mercedes the benefit of the doubt but uh, with that one I felt like Hamilton should have pitted got rid of that five second penalty because yeah. remember if all of a sudden they'd gone to the end of the race on the same set of inters mm-hmm. and uh, there'd been a safety car at the end and they'd all been bunched up as they crossed the line Lewis would have lost five seconds he could have lost like five positions or something yeah. like that so I, I felt it, would have, it was almost better to get that five second penalty off his mm-hmm. um, like off his shoulders basically and uh, and bring him in but they didn't so. yeah well as you say adding it up at the end of the race is almost essentially what happened because rather than pit behind the safety car when the field is running at reduced speed they made the pit stop when the field entirely pretty much decided to switch to slicks under racing conditions mm. at the time you were still running I guess you could argue in contention for at least the podium mm. this completely eliminated him it dropped him out of the points and he never really recovered until there were penalties after the race yeah that, I mean that's exactly true yeah yeah uh, I, I should have said that a second ago, but um, yeah, no, exactly. So th- it's just further proof that I think, yeah, it's odd decision not to not to go under the instance. And then, yeah, um, it's almost like they were a little bit resigned to defeat uh, by, by that stage, <laughs> Lewis and Paul Hamilton as well. I think um, I know it's not strategy related necessarily, but he was feeling awful in the car. Like yeah. you know, I mean, um, I, d- I don't know exactly what the problem is or whatever, but. Um, but Wolf said afterwards, like you know, I think a lot of people wouldn't have got in that racing mm-hmm. car and gone out. And uh, I remember seeing him on the grid beforehand, uh, stood by his car on uh, on pole position, and he'd done a few laps to the grid, and he already looked a bit sweaty and kind of shaky. Mm. And you know, he, he he wasn't right, and arguably maybe shouldn't have been that race. So I think by that point they were like, "Oh, Lewis, <laughs> you want, maybe just call it a day," <laughs> um, which he almost did by sticking the barriers um, yeah. at turn one. But uh, yeah, I, I, so I. I don't know. I, I guess that that was just everything kind of, mm-hmm. you know, everything going wrong that could go wrong uh, after that silly pit stop. Yep. And the final point, we'll jump ahead briefly for Mercedes race, was that Bottas, running in contention for the podium, just binned it in the end. And uh, that really ruined Mercedes' day completely. Yeah, it's ru- ruined Valtteri's year. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm not kidding. Like, that was, of all the opportunities, mm. like, how often do you go up against Lewis Hamilton and he's making mistakes and he's, you know, mm. clearly not where he should be and uh, the team's made mistakes for him as well and how often do you get an opportunity to take um, even if he'd just taken it easy and cruised behind Stroll yeah. you know, potentially 12 points but obviously mm-hmm. he was he was pushing for that second place but how often do you get an opportunity to do that and he should have got 18 points mm-hmm. yesterday and uh, he stuck it in the barriers and it was a funny old accident because he said afterwards that the team had just told him to push <laughs> would have thought that was probably obvious at that stage of the race. you know <laughs> And push to a limit as well, because you, you only, mm-hmm. you've only got to get past a racing point mm-hmm. and, uh, and a Toro Rosso. And those, you know, those cars in drying conditions should be beatable for a Mercedes. And, um, yeah, I watched the replay from overhead. And he just got, um, as he kind of went through the apex, he took a little bit of curb 
car kind of moved a little bit to the left just onto the wet patch and before he knew it he was round and into the barriers um, and uh, for all I said about his rallying prowess <laughs> um, uh, if you look at how Hamilton kind of spun out of a similar mm-hmm. incident at turn one kind of let the car immediately go into 360 mm-hmm. Bottas was fighting it around fighting it around fighting it around and before he knew it bang in the barriers so um, I don't know I, I think there's something to be said for drivers kind of like figuring out what's going on midway through a slide and mm-hmm. maybe I'm reading too much into it maybe they just all <laughs> um, kind of uh, soil themselves and make over everything <laughs> but sometimes you see a driver come out of a spin you think that should have been the barriers which mm-hmm. was Hamilton at turn one and sometimes you see them kind of go into the barriers and that was Bottas so mm-hmm. I don't know maybe, maybe, maybe I'm kind of putting too much into Hamilton's kind of genius there but um, <laughs> but no I, it, it was a shame and it's a real shame for the championship because yeah. wouldn't that have been great if um, if another upside of this brilliant race was that the championship actually looks a little bit more on again mm-hmm. kind of going into summer break but it doesn't no. it looks the opposite instead Hamilton ended up scoring two points by the end of this race exactly yeah, uh, yeah. incredible isn't it uh, but we almost skip over I guess the final particularly interesting part of this race which was behind uh, that last safety car uh, there were two stops that perhaps seemed innocuous at the time the first was of Lance Stroll who <laughs> very briefly ended up leading the race uh, but he stopped not once but twice behind the safety car first for new inters as was sort of the done mm. thing at that point but then requested of the team to change to slicks deciding that it was worth a gamble he was pretty much at the back of the field at mm. this point and this proved the inspired call of the race I almost wish he'd won just so he could say wow the race d- deciding move yeah, yeah. Uh, a-, a very bold but ultimately accurate call yeah uh, very good decision and you know what I think we kind of um, are quite critical of Lance Stroll quite a lot and I think sometimes with good reason but in these kind of conditions he's actually pretty good I think Mm. his base car control and kind of feel for what's going on isn't bad his feel for how a set of soft tyres will deteriorate over a mm-hmm. 30 lap stint is dreadful <laughs> but his his base car control and I think if he really applied himself he could be quite a good racing driver um, but anyway uh, I digress uh, he um, but he, uh, he he made that stop uh, or you know Racing Point made that stop uh, he came in and dropped right to the back of the runners right mm-hmm. to the back um, but of course what was it within the space of uh, two laps are we talking uh, yeah basically two or three laps everybody else had made the same decision mm-hmm. uh, and in that time I think he had set we, I don't know if it was the outright fastest lap but he was certainly lapping mm-hmm. quickly and uh, I think it was immediate from the sector times um, after the safety car that, that actually he, he was looking pretty good and uh, yeah and then that triggered all those pit stops uh, including Kvyat who also ended up yes. in a very good position uh, the lap after yeah so quite astute monitoring of the race by Toro Rosso as well because they decided to bring, uh, bring Daniel Kvyat in he was also running fairly towards the back let's say consistently was behind Albon this weekend despite Albon having no experience but this rocketed him from essentially five or six positions behind Albon to the end of the race finishing more or less that far ahead of him and it showed that that was exactly we talk about trying to pick that correct window for the tie change this was exactly the right window in the correct conditions as well behind the safety car mm. and we had this situation with Stroll leading from Kvyat very briefly in this race mm. uh, unfortunately the racing point sunk down the field more quickly than the Toro Rosso did but the end result was that Kvyat finished on the podium first time in, in three years yeah fully deserved and uh, got past Stroll on track I think I'm right yes. in saying as well so like you know I mean there was there, there was a lot going on there because it's not as simple as uh, as just bolting on the right tyres at the right point. I think, as I mentioned earlier, we look at Kevin Magnussen down 
on our lap chart. And he also went to um, softs on lap 45. Uh, our little chart here tells us they were U softs, but <laughs> I really don't think that's going to be you know the be all and end all at that stage of the race in those conditions. So Kafia able to uh, maintain the temperature in them, get them to work, and uh, go on to take a glorious podium. Uh, Magnussen, you know, dropped like a stone, even though he made up a lot of positions. Uh, early on by the, you know having the same strategy and being one of the first ones to, to change so I think um, you know that says a lot about uh, how far he's come uh, how well he's driving it's a real shame about F1 at the moment isn't it because midfield drivers mm. you can't really get a gauge on them until you get a race like this and then they really shine or sometimes you know they, they really mess up like Gasly for example <laughs> I mean, he's not really a midfield driver either, but um, well, he shouldn't well. be yeah and, uh, and so like when, when you see someone like Kvyat do that um, you think wow you know th- th- this guy's still got something there and um, it's fantastic with the whole backstory of um, his his uh, partner giving birth the night before and yep. of course everything else that's gone on for Gasly in the last kind of two years three years you mm-hmm. know um, so lovely to see him on the podium again and uh, fully deserved based on a on, on a very very solid strategy at the end yeah a very interesting strategy it's worth mentioning at this point we only mentioned it at the start as well that Sebastian Vettel really came alive on those softs as the Ferrari had in practice perhaps missed uh, one opportunity which was to pit a little bit earlier he didn't stop until lap 47 which was after Verstappen potentially had the opportunity to gain a couple of places for that final charge whether it would have made the difference to make a dream last to first run is debatable but that car was very quick yeah, it, it was, um, and yeah, like we said earlier, he wasn't he wasn't really on a great strategy. Mm-hmm. It was it was a fairly kind of middle of the road react to what's going on strategy around, and I mean, I think they took a couple of punts, didn't they, just because of his position? Oh, they, they, they got that inter uh, that, mm-hmm. that that inter stop, but it wasn't free for him. So that inter stop under um, Hulkenberg that we talked about earlier, yeah. when Verstappen made it and got a free set of intermediate tires to go and. <laughs> disappear even further into the distance uh, Vettel took a hit for that he, he actually went down the order with that so um, it wasn't it wasn't a fantastic strategy but then at the end on, on the soft tyres uh, it was an example of a driver with experience mm-hmm. I think definitely something to prove yeah. after what happened in very similar conditions last year um, getting it right but he was he was good to watch throughout the race because mm-hmm. even early in the race that car was twitching around and like, there was a couple of times when obviously it was only two weeks ago that he went into the back of Max mm-hmm. um, when he was trying to make a passing move you think well maybe maybe Seb's lost it and he's never been I would never put him as one of the really great kind of uh, wheel to wheel drivers you know mm-hmm. I always think there's a little bit of weakness there but he looked good he looked very good and was saving some you know spectacular slides and all the rest of it so he did it in style and um, fair play to him but I still think Ferrari's takeaway from this weekend is that they should have won the race <laughs> regardless of the conditions yep. and they finished second so they, they won a podium but they lost a the race yep. a fair conclusion I think uh, and a fitting conclusion for the podcast I, I hope we've done a, a fair enough job of trying to summarise what was an absolutely chaotic race with an unpredictable outcome who'd have thought we'd be sitting here three races in a row celebrating Formula 1 uh, what is this MotoGP it's all very confusing <laughs> but it's been a pleasure to look back on it with you Lawrence yeah, thanks very much That was ESPN F1 editor Lawrence Edmondson. The strategy report is powered by Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator. Play it for free on iOS and Android devices. If you want more strategy report, you can get every episode by subscribing on Google and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on your favourite podcasting app, plus all of your socials. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you could give us a review and a rating to help other F1 fans find the show.
The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast, and if you're looking for an alternative take on the German Grand Prix, have a search for Box of Neutrals in your podcasting app of choice to hear Rob James and I ask whether sprinklers on racetracks aren't such a bad idea after all. I've been Michael Laminato. Look me up at Michael Laminato on Twitter, and I'll catch you in just a week's time for a look back at the Hungarian Grand Prix.